the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. This week we continue our series on God's characteristics. Today Dave leads a study on God's compassion. This week is compassion. It's compassion. And um, as I was reading some really good articles um, that this man, I will come to it at the end, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote. Screwtape Letters, really good book to read. And uh, The Four Loves and, and, and other things about the difference between compassion and uh, we use the word empathy, but we'll look at those in a minute, where we can actually um, be, instead of being with them and bringing them out, we sometimes get in there and our value system gets squeezed because of the situation and there should never be that. But anyway, so a young girl, her mother was sick and she just wanted to make her comfortable. She, her mum was in bed and uh, she thought, she slipped out, she thought, I'll make her a cup of tea. Now boys, I'm showing the telly how to make a proper cup of tea now. This is how you make a proper cup of tea. She boiled the kettle and she remembered all what her mum did. This is not tea bags, this is tea leaves, proper tea. And uh, so she boiled the kettle. Firstly, she put some hot water in, in the teapot, warmed, warmed the teapot up. Always warm the teapot up. Okay, no? You'll do this when you go now. Warm the Put the water up. Then she put the tea leaves in, and she made the tea, and she, cup and saucer, of course. And then Nana always had a cup and saucer, mugs, no such thing. And then she took it up to her mum, and her mum said, oh, thank you very much. She said, I didn't know you could make a tea. She said, yeah, I can make a tea. She said, and then, of course, she's really a little girl, so she began to tell her how she did it. This is what I did, ma'am, this is what I did. And she said, um, actually, mum was drinking. She said, oh, it was very nice, she said. She said, but, you know, I couldn't find the tea strainer, because obviously with tea leaves, you've got to put a strainer in, otherwise you'll have tea leaves in your cup. Mum, I couldn't find the tea strainer. Oh, she said, but I used the fly swatter. <laughs> You used the fly swatter, Mum said. Yes, she said. But don't worry, Mum, I didn't use the new one. I didn't want to mess. I used the old fly swatter. <laughs> and uh, sometimes our compassion, as we'll see in a moment, uh, can be, can be uh, all well and good, but do the wrong thing. So uh, the wonderful thing is that God is a God of compassion. Now, the Old Testament word of compassion is all to do with the womb. And we can get a picture, and that's why God described himself with those motherly qualities. Um, and for you women, all of you ladies you have, have carried babies, we men don't understand that. You carry that baby in the womb. And so that, that understanding of, of love and protection and all those kind of things. So God is, that's the picture of it. And it's a great story. Actually, let's read our first verse, um, Exodus 34. That's our declaration. Of, of God's character, and our second one tonight is compassion, of course, we've done Hesed. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. So we see God's declaration of who he is. 
compassionate one. And I love that story where uh, Solomon has gone before the Lord and the Lord's given him that dream. Solomon, what do you want? He said, Lord, I, I, look, I, more than anything, I need discernment, I need wisdom. And uh, the Lord says, yes, well done. It's a good, the Bible says the Lord was pleased that he asked for that because the Lord said to him, what do you want? Fancy the Lord asking you that. And he didn't ask for uh, more money. He didn't ask for victory. He didn't ask for, he said, Lord, give me wisdom so I can govern these people aright. Now, he had wisdom, but he didn't always use it. Of course, Solomon did, um, as we heard on Sunday morning. He didn't always use it. 700 wives, 700 mother-in-laws. That's what I'm saying. Let's leave it there. And um, so, but then he comes back, and the first thing he does when he comes back to Jerusalem, he goes into the house of the Lord. Notice that. And he offers an offering. Thank you, Lord. Then the first, then he's given a feast. And then there's a bit of a kerfuffle, and we have two ladies coming in, don't we? Two ladies, two prostitutes, and they've got a bit of a problem. And then one says, look, I had a baby, and then two or three days later, this other prostitute had a baby. We were in the same house, and um, she, she laid on her, her, her son and killed him. And then in the middle of the night, she swapped the babies, so, and she said, no, mine, she, she stole my baby. Then the other prostitute said, that's not true. She said, mine. mine is the light one. And the Bible says they began to bicker and argue in front of Solomon. So we get the picture, two women arguing over this baby. And Solomon says, right, shush, 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 shush. Get me a sword. Get me a sword. What? Let's cut him in two. And you can have one half and you can have the other half. And here's where, where Solomon knew the mother's heart. Knew what compassion was. Because the Bible says the, the mother of the child was moved with compassion and said, no, 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 don't do that. Give the baby away to her. The other one said, I don't care. Cut him in two. I don't give it. We'll neither have one. And uh, Solomon said, right, we know who it is now. The one who showed compassion. So that's the picture. That's the picture of, of, of the word compassion in the Old Testament. And we'll just read a few more verses of that. Isaiah 40, 56. Isaiah 56. His compassion brings them back. Isaiah 49 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Can a mother forget the, the baby she was born? Perhaps. Perhaps, Jesus. But I will not forget you. My compassion will not forget you. Isaiah 66 says, As a mother comforts her child, so I comfort you, O Jerusalem. And you will be comforted. Bless the Lord. That's God's heart. Compassion. Um, but as we'll see in a moment, Compassion that does not compromise. There's a big difference, you see. Sometimes we can get caught up, and we looked at, um, I think, before um, those three words, and we pity. Um, pity is, um, I acknowledge your suffering. Sympathy, I care, I, I'm sympathizing with you, simp with you. Um, empathy, I feel your suffering, but compassion is, I want to relieve your suffering. Now, we've got to be careful with em empathy, because empathy means to uh, suffer 
in, in with, not with you, alongside, but in. And of course, when we do that, we've we got to be careful we don't get overrun by the emotions of the, of the situation. We are still separate. It's like um, if someone was sinking in quicksand, yeah, empathy sometimes, or, or the, the extreme of empathy, jumps in two feet. And what's going to happen? You're both going to sink. Compassion, godly compassion, you either put one foot in and you keep one foot on, on, on ground, or you tether yourself to an anchor, something that's true, real, it's going to hold you. But sometimes we can get dragged down in that. And of course, then what happens is we, we, we'll agree with them, oh yeah, I'm so sorry, that then, then we can twist and we'll, we'll come maybe... Look at that in a moment. I've seen that even, well, we've seen it, always seen it. How about these verses, beautiful verses? Micah, Micah 7. What is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay and weep forever, but you meant to show mercy. You will then have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hear all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be true to Jacob and show mercy to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our fathers in days long ago. It's a fantastic verse. Who is it? It's a song there, isn't it? Who is a pardoning God like you? Who shows compassion? Father. And what is he? Out of his compassion, he takes our sin and he treads it into the ground. And he takes our iniquity and throws it, of course he's using lovely metaphorical pictures, throws into the heart of the sea. I love that. And of course, what did Corrie Ten Boom says? Puts up a sign, no fishing, of course. Uh, because sometimes the Lord has dealt with our sin, but we are quickly drag it up, don't we? Or the devil certainly does and whispers in the air. But that's where we get that verse from. He throws our sin at the depths of the sea, uh, never to be seen again. Bless the Lord. That's his compassion. That's his heart for his people and for humanity. And of course, then we come to, uh, as we said before, with Jesus, the personification of hesed, the personification of compassion. Um, sometimes we can see it, and, and when God describes himself, that's really good for us. But when we can see it tangibly in front of us, we can see it worked out. And then, of course, the Lord's going to ask us to emulate, to copy that. Here's the, here's the first verse, Matthew 9, Matthew 9. Fantastic. You see, Jesus sees past the facade. Sometimes that's all we can see is what people are doing and achieving and what we think is success. But God sees the heart. And Jesus said he could see they were, um, they were fainting, weary, disturbed, disturbed, harassed, like sheep without a shepherd, helpless, hopeless, with no purpose and direction. They had to make up their purpose. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Now, uh, there's a number of words um, for compassion in the New Testament, but this particular word, is, is a word where they, 
the Greeks and the Jews understood emotion came from the inner, inner, inner organs. Of course, we understand now it's, it's from our soul, our mind, our, our brain. But they, they thought because when you're moved with compassion, it, you, you feel it, don't you? In your, in, your, in your bowels, in your stomach, in your, in your internal organs. And, and that's what the word is. He was moved. It, it gripped him. It wasn't something, it wasn't sentiment. And we've got to be careful with sentiment. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Because now he was going to do something. And as we'll see, um, every time he was moved compassion, there was revelation and impartation. We've said that before. But there's God. He was moved to do something. Moved. And because he saw the people. I wonder, do we see people as Jesus sees them? Ah, lost. Lost. If they don't know the Lord, they are lost for eternity. And that, sometimes we, we, we know that. Something we, we can say, but it doesn't grip our hearts, does it? Because if it gripped our hearts, remember Christmas Evans, uh, I was told you before, and um, his wife said, come to bed Christmas. And he was, he was uh, by the side of his bed with a blanket on freezing cold night, praying, Lord, save, save, save. And he said, how can I come to bed when there are still millions lost and going to hell? See, that's a picture of understanding and, and moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. So we see Jesus moved with compassion. We'll see it outworked in his life. Matthew 14, 14 to 20. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, Mark's gospel says he was moved with compassion he, 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 because he saw they were sheep without shepherds and he taught them. There was impartation. Matthew says he healed them. But he also fed them. And uh, we must never forget God is interested in the whole man. Isn't he? Body, soul, spirit. He touches all. We seem to separate the body. I was just—it uh, was a funny what you find on YouTube, and they, it was a Jewish teaching on why they they, they don't believe in um, cremation, only burial. And they was they were saying about the soul and the, and the body are together in one sense. And uh, you know we sometimes separate the body, don't we? But we are we are we are whole, three parts. And uh, Jesus was interested in that. Mark eight says the crowds. Um, again, feeding the 4,000, this is where he said, I have compassion on them because they will be three days and they haven't eaten. God is interested in every part of our lives. Don't think God is not interested in, of course, what we tend to do, or we have done, is separate our lives out in compartments, don't we? Uh, that, that, that's Sunday, that's the Lord's day, and no, well, Monday's my day, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, work. No, no, everything we do, we do it as unto the Lord. So then what, I, what that means is that we have, no, we have any right over things. Ah, but is my, no, no, no. I'm a steward over my 
money or my family. And of course, as when we talk about compassion, sometimes, and they were, the Scrutic letters and, and the four loves, C.S. Lewis said that sometimes a mother can be so overbearing, can't they? Uh, loving, loving their children and just forgetting that Jesus is our first love. And those children, they are, they're just stewards. And we can kick them out. I mean, we, can, we need to release them. Yeah? Why? Because they are lords. They are lords. Not ours. They are the lords. And so, so here we have Jesus move with compassion. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. 29, 34, I think. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. And they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them, and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Two men, blind men, calling on the Lord. Would not be silenced like Bartimaeus. Is it the same story? I don't think so. Bartimaeus, the Bible says Jesus was coming into Jericho. This, by, this particular verse says quite clearly he's going out of Jericho. And uh, they're crying on him. They're calling on him. And the Bible says he's moved with compassion. Touches them. Heals them. I remember someone saying many, many years ago, very interesting, that obviously 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 14, the use of the gifts, certainly prophecy and um, tongues. But chapter 13 of Corinthians is all about love. How are they to be used? And I wonder sometimes, we, we say, Lord, why don't we see more miracles? I wonder if we are, we are moved like Jesus to touch people's lives. If we are really moved. See, when we are moved with compassion, we are calling on God, as we said, be zealous for the gifts. We are saying, Lord, I, we need it. We see so many needs around us, broken lives. Lord, we need to be moved. So we, we, we the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Don't ever believe that's, that's past. That's the devil's lie. Now, some in the church, sadly, some great teachers in the church have said that. But that's not true. Because the Bible has never said that. He said, greater things than you should, these shall you do. Now, the problem is, it's easy to fall back into that because we say, well, we're not seeing many miracles, are we? Oh, we've seen a few. Seen someone touch me. But, oh, Lord, move with compassion. Oh, Lord, that Lord will give our hearts. How about this next one? Where Jesus was moved. Luke 7. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called the Name, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer they, the buyer they were carrying on, him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Uh, again, lovely word, moved compassion, his heart went out to her. And uh, not just, is that, he was going to do something. It was a rever impartation. Now there was going to, Jesus was moved to do something. First thing he said to the lady, don't cry. Amazing, don't cry. Then he touches, because he knew um, that 
her life from then on would be very difficult because there was no income. Her husband, she was a widow, only son. It was going to be really difficult for her. He was moved and he said, stop. You know, young man, get up. Oh, Lord, help us to get to such a place. Even the dead are raised. Ah, dear, dear. But move, we can buy Jesus. But we see this again, uh, it, not just Jesus doing, but in his teachings. Jesus began to use this particular wor word to teach people or, what his heart was like. What about this? We know this um, story, but it's a great story, always is. Uh, Luke 15, 17 to 20. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. He was, he, he was looking. Now, remember this. He was waiting. He had not given up. Ah, that's good news, isn't it? The father had not given up on his son. Now remember, he didn't pursue him, unlike the lost sheep or the coin, because uh, he, 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 he was letting his free will take, take effect, but until he came to his senses. But the father didn't give up. He was waiting, anticipating. He saw him a long way off, and the Bible said he was moved with compassion. And uh, he began to run. That's going well. That's his heart. That was the heart of the father. Uh, Move with compassion, not giving up. Bless the Lord. How about this one? Luke 10. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance they came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him, and on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? See, this story came out of um, the expert in the law, didn't he? He said, um, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, Jesus was always answered a question with a question. Uh, he wasn't a politician. He was just trying to get people's hearts. Get, what does the word say? What does the, the law say? Of course, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He understood. He understood. Love the Lord your God. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Absolutely, Jesus. said, Absolutely true. He said, do this and you will live. And of course, then he said, well, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Because in their thinking in Juda Judaism at that time, and the neighbor was generally another Jew, a pretty good Jew, a righteous Jew. But Jesus was going to now blow his thinking out of the water. 
Because he said, a man, there's nothing better to give a story, is it? And he said, a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jericho, um, Jerusalem's over 2,000 uh, feet above sea level. Jericho's in nearly by sea level. So nice oasis, nice and warm. Probably going to do some business down there. Down he went, and of course, he's beaten, left for dead. And uh, then he, he specifically picks the priest and the Levite that people would have um, thought, these are good guys, religious people. Um, they would have looked up to. But he specifically says these guys didn't even give them monkeys. They, weren't, they were unmoved, they were unaffected, and they went by. They went by. They were not going to have their lives, listen now, interfered by this issue. Because compassion is always costly. It's always costly. And uh, the priest might have thought, well, if, I, if he's dead, I'm going to get contaminated and I'll have to go through the ritual and all that. Perhaps a Levite had said the same thing. But really, there was no, no compassion at all there. Of course, Jesus already said to him, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He'd already told them that. So he could have picked, uh, now another Jew was going by, but he picks the worst person that they would have ever thought of. You see, the Samaritans were half-breeds. They had uh, intermingled with the Assyrians many centuries ago, and there was animosity between them. They didn't like each other. It was bad blood. They had their own temple. And uh, if you go back, when they came back from Babylon, I didn't know this, I just heard this the other day. Of course, they, they, the main opposition when they went, came back from Babylon were the Samaritans. And someone said, I have to look this up. Um, they, when they started building the temple, they, they, put, they threw... Um, Pigs remains on the foundations to stop them building. Um, so they had to cleanse it before they started building it. So we see the animosity between them. You see, the only good Samaritan was a dead Samaritan in their thinking. But your Jesus is, is showing that a Samaritan comes along. And the Bible says he's moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion. Now his, his life is going to be interfered with. It's going to cost him. His, his plans and his purposes that he, he had, he's going to have to put but one side at the moment because he's going to pick him up, put him on his donkey. He's going to walk. Um, he's already dealt with him or, or tried to deal with him. Oil and, and the wine is the um, uh, anaste uh, anaste antiseptic. And he's taken him to that inn and he says, look, look after him and I'll pay. I'll pay. And I love Jesus. He said, who's the one? Who's the, who's the neighbor there? And he said, the one that showed mercy. The one who was moved with compassion. And uh, Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So, you see, in one sense, now, they, they say in, in, in days gone by, and some liberals say, we have the universal, we're all children of God. Well, that's not quite true, is it? Because uh, the universal brotherhood is with those who are saved. And that's why we, we do good to the brothers and the sisters. But there's a universal neighborhood. Because everyone born is born with God's image on them. And stamp. And if we see someone, we go out of our way like a Samaritan. That's why he picked those two, because the Samaritan was the last person that would have gone out of his way to help a Jew. And maybe the last people we help sometimes, we go out of our way. Um, why? Because we are moved with compassion. Because however awful they may, we may think they are, they are, God created them. And they need to be saved. As we talked last week, we, we, we easily complain, I do, about politicians and all those things. But ultimately, they need saving. They need saving. And my complaints have got to be put aside. Something in the Bible says, pray for them. Pray they'll get saved. Pray they'll be changed. Uh, move with compassion. Move with compassion. 
And of course, then Jesus, again, showing all through his, his ministry, showing his heart, then right towards the end of his time. Matthew 23, Matthew 23, 37, 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I want you to gather your children together as a hand gathers your chicks and their head wings, and you do not will. See, your house is left to you desolate. I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord. See, the offer of protection, salvation. I, I just quickly looked on YouTube uh, with a hen that gathers her chicks. It's amazing, really, uh, how many chicks they can gather. And they're, they're, it looks a small uh, hen, but then he, he or she puffs out her, her wings and lifts her behind up a bit so they can all fit underneath. And uh, they, where they're there, they're protected. We told you that story before when the prairie fire went right through um, that particular part of Canada or America, and the, and the farmer goes back and everything's burnt to a cinder. And uh, as he's walking along, there's like what looks like a burnt ball of feathers, and he, he kicks it. And as he kicks it, all those little chicks run out. The mother hen has protected the chicks. She's burnt to a cinder, but all the chicks are protected. And then we see a beautiful picture. The Bible says, come under my covering, doesn't he? Under the feather. But Psalmist says, healing in those feathers, healing under those wings. Home, protection, shelter, safety, and supply. That's the Father's heart. That's who our God is. A compassionate one. A compassionate one. And of course then, if he's compassionate... Then he calls on us. Now, let's be careful because let me just read something to you because um, we've got to be careful between the passion of pity and the um, action of pity. The, the action of compassion and the passion of compassion. See, the passion of pity, compassion, sometimes leads men to concede what should not be conceded. We surrender the truth out of misguided pity and compassion for the hurting. Yeah? So I was watching a, a gentleman the other day and uh, been in the church many years. Quite, I, I wouldn't, someone, yeah, it's been, been you know, um, uh, not high up, I, that's not a word, but it, it, in, you know, in that kind of thing. And um, he's now agreed that homosexuality is okay. I tell you why. Because the, the, what C.S. Lewis said is very true. He said, what happens is the passion of pity overwhelms us. He said he had people in his church that were homosexuals. And he said they loved Jesus. I will not go into that. We'll not say which Jesus. And of course, instead of saying, look, God loves you, but there's a change. There's a dramatic change. You can come, but there's going to be change because God never leaves us as we are, does he? He's assimilated. Now, what he's done, he's conceded what should not have been conceded. Why? Because that worldly compassion, passion of pity has overridden the activity of compassion. What happens then is my pain, my feelings, my hurt override the truth of God's word. Why? Because it's not fair. I deserve it. It's about me. It's me-centered Christianity. And of course, what are, we, what are we to do? We're to die. 
I'm dying. Self-pity. And of course, what happens then is we've got to be careful because that can be emotional blackmail. Can't it? And we've seen it. But the Bible says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Sometimes we flatter others rather than speak the truth. As we really saw, compassion can be wielded as a weapon against, even against uh, good-hearted people. The action of pity, true compassion, in God's hands, in our hands, true compassion is a weapon for the sons of light. It will descend from the highest to the lowest place. It will weep with those who weep. It will mourn with those who mourn. But remember, we're going to keep one foot tethered to truth. Now, be careful. And I was just reading. Scrooge Blood is a great, great insight C.S. Lewis had. And of course, so often he says, um, he, he's talking to that little demon. He says, now tell him to, to, to say that and say and be trite. We don't be trite when anyone's difficulty. Uh, and so often he says, um, use this particular scripture. God works uh, uh, good in, in, in everything, doesn't he? What's the scripture? All things work together for good. He said, oh yeah, as soon as it, let him say that. Of course, that's not what, we don't say that straight away, do we? We, we weep with those, we come alongside them until the right moment when we bring healing, when we bring truth, when we bring rescue. Because we don't want someone staying self-pity all their life, because why? They'll never achieve their potential. See, with God's compassion, there's change and there's correction of sight, of thought, of perception. Now, in the middle of the difficulty, that's all we see is, Lord. And of course, we are, we are come alongside, we weep with those who weep, but remember we have an anchor to truth. Then we'll say, come on, this is what the word of the Lord says. And uh, it's great, great, it was really, really well, well written. I'm, I'm gonna have to, I've got it at home, I couldn't find it today, I was going to pick it out again. Great stuff. Self-pity. So, what are we to do? Bring the word of the Lord. To bring the heavenly picture down to earth. Faithful compassion leans into the suffering of others, weeping with those who weep, genuinely joining the sorrowful in their grief, and then, when the time is right, taking action to relieve the pain. See, some people love their issue and their difficulties, and what happens is they, they dwell on them, and they want other people to know about them, uh, but they want to stay in them. Isn't it amazing we can, we can actually get comfortable in our difficulties, comfortable in our pain, in, in, in when, when things are on top of us. God said, no, 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 no. No, we come alongside. And of course, the Bible says, um, we, when we go through these difficulties, we receive comfort from the Lord, grace from God. Why? So we can show to them who go through the same difficulties, grace and strength. 2 Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and compassion, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, difficulties, afflictions, so we can comfort those in trouble and comfort we ourselves have received from God. So, weeping with those who weep and the right time, right action, see, it will refuse, but while compassion will leap from the heights of joy to the depths of sorrow in order to bring healing, even at great cost to itself, it will refuse to be steered by the manipulation of the afflicted. True compassion always reserves the right not to elevate compassion. And what happens is we elevate love over God, don't we? Dear, dear, we've been so easily done. And that, that pain, and we dwell in it. And God wants to release us from it. We see a lovely picture 
Like Job, compassion can absorb the grief-driven accusations of a bereaved mother and refuse to curse God and die. Yeah? Curse God and die, his wife was saying. No, no, no. It refuses to concede what should not be conceded even in the great face of great human suffering. It refuses to flatter under pressure of pity, but will insist on speaking the truth, clinging to the truth with all his might. Real compassion. See, Jesus was moved with compassion, so he, he revealed truth, and he imparted something. Imparted something. Well, let's have a look where we are. 1 John 3, 14, 18. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a good brother. And we know that no murderer has to life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ has done his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has a human possession to see his brother in need, and has a pretty one in how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Uh, the test and the proof that we are his is that we show compassion, is that we love. Even the unlovely, when we see an issue, we, uh, what did he say? What did the, oh, well done, my son, carry on and go. He said, no, give him something. If he, if he needs it, if he's hungry, feed him. If he needs a couple of bob, I don't ever carry much money with me, so I got a couple of bob today. Give him a couple of bob. He said, that, that's the proof, that's the test to love. Don't say you love. I love God and don't love your brother. It's the proof, it's the test. And then he says uh, in Colossians 3, this is the behavior. This is how, what we believe. But what we believe, if, if our belief doesn't change into behavior, it is just intellectual and it hasn't affected us one iota. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And all over these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful that the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with a gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it, in, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Ultimately, practical God's word, you see. Um, he, he, again, he's given us a picture. God should clothe yourself. You see, it is a choice, isn't it? Now, God flows in us. God's in us. His love is in us. His heart and his character is in us. But again, as we said before, work out that which is worked in, in us. God prompts us. God leads us. But it still comes down to our, our choice of clothing ourselves in those characteristics, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear one another, forgiveness. And then, of course, verse 15, let. That's allowing, isn't it? Got to allow it. Let the peace of Christ rule in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's an allowing God to have his way in us. Uh, but it can be seen. It can be manifest. It's seen by how we treat those around us. 
the universal neighborhood where even the Samaritan uh, went out of his way, was moved with compassion. But you know, we've got more than good deeds to, to give him we. Jesus said, the Bible says, Jesus anointed, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power when he went around doing good, went around doing good, but healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. There was a natural, but also a supernatural element. And in fact, supernatural and naturally supernatural, if you like. And you know, we, we are to do the both, aren't we? Not one without t'other. Uh, and of course, leaning with them. Why don't we bring the word of the Lord? Great to meet someone's need, but if they're still unsaved after, does it, make, it doesn't make any difference. Eh? So we, we are bringing healing and life, but also the supernatural word of the Lord. That's where Jesus, revelation and impartation. Jesus, uh, the compassionate one. Oh, the Lord. Good, good news, isn't it? Because if he wasn't compassionate, we may as well shut the doors. <laughs> but he is. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org. Thank you.